Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is June the 15th, 2015. Today we're reading from the big book on Chapter 7, Working with Others, and we are on page 90, paragraph 1, the very first paragraph. And today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Anita L., the 12 Traditions, Nancy S., and our readers for the text will be Amy N., Rebecca F., and Deb W. Now, the reference number for Sunday, that is June the 14th, 2015, is 772. Nine. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from the Philadelphia area. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Anita L. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Okay, thank you. (laughs) 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, if he may express himself in our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service and I'll pass. And thank you, Nancy S., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then please press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 90, and we're going to begin with the very first paragraph. All right, and I will now ask Amy N. to please begin reading. 
Good morning. Uh, this is Amy N. Uh, from New Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. Um, there's a lot in this paragraph. Um, the one, the first thing that jumped out at me um, is if he does not want to stop drinking or eating, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. Um, I have found in um, in sponsoring uh, people in this program that sometimes um, a person is um, they they're they're willing, but they they just can't get it, and they they keep you know maybe picking up over and over again, or they don't want to change. They don't want to do the first step of putting down the food, and you know I've either had to let people go, or they just naturally dropped dropped off and stopped calling. Um, and in, when I first started sponsoring, I would I would um, I always check in on people, but I would pursue them and try to get them try to get them to be abstinent and I later learned that um I've learned that um it just doesn't work. Uh I can't talk them into doing, you know, what they need to do. They you know, it's 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 uh it's something that their higher power and they need to, to work on and um and as it says at the end of the paragraph, you know, to be patient because we're dealing with a sick person and that when someone has difficulty stopping it's not because they're they're bad or they're lazy or whatever it's just that they are sick and uh you know my you know prayer always is that they will find um eventually will will uh come back and i've seen people do that that have been in relapse for many many years com- repeatedly and then to find to grab hold of this program and to recover so with that i will pass thank you well, thank you, Amy N. Okay, we're going to open up the floor now to anyone that would like to comment on what was read. Who would like to? Sally. We'll have Sally A. Reva P. Can I be added uh, fifth on the list, please? Reva P. Where, do you, where would you like to be, Charles? I didn't get that. If you could put me fifth on the list, please, I appreciate that. Um, I'm sorry, sixth or fifth or what number? Yes, yeah, five. Five, got it. Okay, we'll do. We'll put you in five. Okay, how about Basa. F? Vasa O will be next. And then Sally we'll H. Sally H. And then no, we'll have Carolyn H. I'm sorry, who? Carolyn H. No, I, I, Carolyn? Yes. Carolyn, of course. Carolyn H. And then we'll have Charles. Okay, let's go with that. Sally A, please. Thanks, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally A. South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. And yeah, this is a wonderful paragraph. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, we're being given some very clear-cut directions. For the first thing you're telling me to do is to listen. Find out all you can about him. The only way I can find out about them is if I just listen. I try to ask a few key questions when I when I um, talk with people. Um, and 
So the first thing I have to do is be very mindful that it's important that I listen. Find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. It's the food that's going to persuade people of their need for a program like this. The, the, the food, the disease is the persuader, not me. Frothy emotional appeal is not going to get the job done. It's the disease that's going to get people to a place that they're ready. I want to draw your attention to the top of page 186 in the big book. Page 186 gives us clear-cut directions that really expound on what we just read. It says here on the, the second line of 186, well, I believe he's worth saving and working on. They said to me, do you want to quit drinking? This guy's telling his story. They said to me, do you want to quit drinking? It's none of our business about your drinking. We're not up here trying to take any of your rights or privileges away from you. But we have a program whereby we think we can stay sober. Part of that program is that we take it to someone else who needs it and wants it. Now, if you don't want it, we'll not take up your time. And we'll be going and looking for someone else. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. And thank you, Sally A. Okay, Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater, back in Toronto. Um, what I related to in this paragraph is if he doesn't want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. And from my own experience, before I came into program, uh, there were family members and people that were hinting that I might have a problem with food, and I was so not ready. So I know from my own experience, nothing nothing anyone would have said would have convinced me to come into program and do what I needed to do. So this reminds me that myself and um, everyone else, we need to come to our own bottoms and step ones where I can't live with the food and I can't live without it. And that desperation and that awful pit of despair was what motivated me to grasp onto this program, um, like it says, with you know all the fervor of people who are like dying. Um, the other thing I want to share, which is a bit off, but I do relate to it from this sentence, is um, with my mother, she is not doing very well. Um, and I'm so grateful for the blessings over the past week um, in the hospital, interacting with staff and with her. And uh, when nobody was in the room and my family members had left, um, she just started telling me how she really doesn't want to live in this condition uh, where she is so dependent uh, for physical care. And thank you, God, I didn't have to convince her and be the cheerleader and say, oh, come on, everything's going to get better. And if somebody doesn't want something, um, let it go. But this time in program, when I let things go, I let it go by putting it in God's hands. And she has a higher power. I have a higher power. And it's awfully sad and awfully difficult. But it's so much better than pushing and fighting and um, blaming everyone and everything. So I have to trust that if and when somebody is ready, Yes, the disease and their higher power will guide them to the program, and nothing that I do can change that. 
That's all I want to share. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Viva P. Thank you. Okay, Vasa, it is your turn. Vasa O. Thank you, Janice, for your service, and I am grateful, compulsive overeater, recovered, to be here with all of you. And this is a beautiful paragraph. I tried to identify where I was within my, with my disease when my sponsor was 12-stepping me. And we were friends. We knew each other from before. She didn't have to know a lot about me. But, you know, we talked more about the food, you know. And uh, at that time, this is what she said. Uh, this is what she said. Do you want to stop, Vasa? I said, are you kidding I've wanted to stop this for 25 years. I've been up and down, exploring, dieting, not dieting. I've been doing this. What do you mean do I want to stop? Well, you know, I guess the student is ready when the teacher appears. And I was so ready. I wasn't a good student, you know, believe me, through the years in school. But I became a student of this killing disease. I didn't want to die, you know. And, yeah, at the beginning, I did try to, you know, to help others, whether they wanted it or they didn't want it. You know, I started looking, you know, going to my friends' houses or my families to share the good news, the good news that I found. You know, they didn't want to hear about it. They were not ready. I mean, I wouldn't have been ready. I had to be, God had to get me ready. If uh, somebody came to me a year or two years or five years before I had hit bottom, I probably wouldn't have been ready, you know. So, you know, this is what I do now. You know, I don't chase people. I ask them, I said, do you want to stop, you know. They want to stop, but they don't want to do the work, you know. So I need to leave them alone and go to the next person, you know, that God will put in front of me, you know. And I do pray for people, you know. I know people that have come back and they you know and people that never came back, so you know we are, we welcome them with open arms. I welcome them when I see them return with love, you know this is where the help is, this is where the solution is you know it, you know if I can get it, anybody can get it. Thank you for letting me share my task. And thank you, Vasa, and thank you, everyone, for watching the time. Okay, Carolyn, yes, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Janice, for your service. I love, I love this book, and I especially love this paragraph. I, when I was first doing this process, I thought, well, how do they know? How do they know? I mean, for me, I was the one that seeked it out and asked somebody how they got so thin. And when they said, oh, wait, the first thing I said was, bring me to a meeting. And, you know, so I was willing and ready, but the majority of people have no idea. So today, I always, always ask my higher power to show me the one person I'm supposed to help today and allow me to use only his words when I speak to them and to let me see what my lesson is in it. Sometimes it's that they need to be 12 steps. Sometimes they need something a little different. But as long as I take the time to bring my higher power into the situation, 
it is exactly what it's supposed to be. And over the weekend, I was all about me saying, you know, I'm not going to be bringing anybody home with me. I wasn't going to have any sponsors because after all, I have enough. And um, no, Scott had other plans for me. I approached two women and asked them if they had sponsors. And um, neither one did. And we started a relationship. And that was so beautiful because it's going into the right direction, the right direction. We're going through the steps. We're reading this book together, and we're understanding what God's will is for us and for them. That's the beauty. You know, and I think sometimes we in OA have it a little backwards. We wait for people to approach us, whereas when they started this book, they approached people. And I think that for me, just for me, that's how I need to do it. I need to be willing to go up to somebody and say, do you need a sponsor? Do you have a sponsor? And then pick up the conversation from there. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Okay, Charles H., you're up. Good morning, Janice. Charles H. from New York a grateful recovered visionary just for today. Um, thank you, God, for another another grace period. It ain't have to be this good, and I'm grateful for that. Um, you may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. Thank you, God. Again, Charles H., a sick person that... Through the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You know, you, <laughs> wow, a sick person. Thank you, God, for the spiritual advisor in my life that was patient, right? Seen something in me that I didn't see myself, um, and spent the time with me, right, and and, and invested in me, and 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 and, and you know. I don't waste time, man. And you know what? I, I I don't, I don't. You know, when I go to meetings, I try to, when I, I try to go to the newcomers. But they, when they're flanked with other people, I just, you know, I let go and I let God, because I know that, you know, I'm willing, I'm willing for Charles H to die today, so the new man can appear. I'm willing for Charles H to die, because the Charles H of yesterday was full of, I don't know, full of something I don't want to mention on the line, but uh. I'm just grateful that I wanted to stop drinking. I wanted to stop binging. And, and, and you know, and my sponsor, you know, I had to go through. I, you know, we talking about step 12. I'm talking about step one and step two because both of them together is a solution for me because I had to go through a few sponsors too that were sick, even though I know I'm still sick today. So that's all I want to share because I, I definitely want to beat the bell. Thank you. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> okay, let's have uh, anybody else that would like to Raquel share. Raquel Okay, we'll have okay. Raquel. Melissa C. This is De La Can I Share. Okay, I heard Raquel And then I heard, is it Melissa C.? Yes, Melissa okay. C. Melissa C. And then I heard Bella. And anybody else? Alice M. Alice M. And anybody else? Leah. Leah, please. Santa H. 
Okay, let's let's get Leah M. Let's get Rakefit first, and then we'll get Santa at another time. Rakefit, Melissa C. Rakefit, you're up. Thank you, Janice. Mm-hmm. My name is Rakefit Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from California, and um, every one that I have really interacted with in OA has wanted to stop eating, or they think they want to stop eating. Um, many times, whenever I start working with someone, I ask them, do you want to stop eating? And I've always had the answer, yes, I want to. And then I have the people that say, yes, except for I don't want to stop eating bread because it's not a problem for me. Yes, I want to stop eating except for sugar-free candy because that's not a problem for me. Yes, I want to stop eating except for nuts because that's not a problem for me. And I say, well, okay. And I will explain to them my disease where I cannot have any of those foods. Any of those foods would set me off. And I have to. I also explain that I have to weigh and measure everything I eat. Every single thing that goes into my mouth, I weigh and measure. I don't eat any unweighed food. That's just me. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be that way. So when people come, you know, say, I, I, I want to stop eating except for, you know, um, I don't want to weigh and measure because I don't, I don't feel I need to. I said, okay, okay. And we start off like that. We start off, and then they can see in time if they're having a problem with those particular foods they don't want to put down or they're having a problem with quantities. And so the disease becomes more clear to them as they go along, and then they realize for themselves whether or not they have to put that item down. And I'm not, I'm not here, you know, the food police to tell anyone what they need to do, what they need to eat or not eat. So I go along, and together we discuss it if they have a break or if they tend to overeat or whatever the situation is. I have a sponsee that doesn't weigh and measure. I mean, that's fine. She doesn't need to. But I have to weigh and measure every single thing that goes into my mouth, like I said. So I really want the sponsee to evolve, understand their disease and their their allergy better for themselves. I don't want to be a dictator and tells them what you have to what they have to eat and when they have to eat it and how much they have to eat it. No, it's much better for me when the sponsee themselves decide on these things and they see as, as we talk about them, they see what they need to do further. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Rakefit. Okay, we have uh, Melissa C. Your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Thank you so much. Um, Do you want to stop eating compulsively? Um, You know, that's, um, it sounds so simple. Of course I do. Of course I do. I I think back to myself, um, you know, always back to myself first. And, um, you know, the truth is I did not want to stop. I wanted to go right on eating um, and get away with it, but somehow um, lose weight. And that's really where I was for a long time. And so I was playing games. And that's, you know, and thank God that I had um, loving sponsors along the way who, um, you know, who were there with, with love and support. Um, but with the truth. And so um, the great convincer is the disease. And what really made me want to stop eating compulsively was the food, 
was my addiction was the fact that, um, you know, I had lost some weight, but the food was still my master. And, um, and there I was back in the food again. Um, you know, I, I was sugar abstinent or so I thought, but I was eating other foods crazy compulsively. And, um, and and so that began to be the convincer for me. And so, you know, when I work with sponsees now, um, very often a lot of the ones that that I start with, um, it, it begins as a weight loss journey. It's another weight loss plan in their minds. And um, and if that's where they are um, at that in this particular time, um, I have faith that uh, if they're one of us, and God, you know, God is the one who's dictating and I can't make somebody want something. I can share my program of recovery. I can share my story, how I'm unique, uniquely useful to them. Um, and, and I let, um, lovingly, I have to let the disease convince them that that's, um, what it is. And, um, you know, and I'm grateful in a way that that happened to me, that I was able to, naturally reached my bottom that um, I could not live with food as my master anymore. And, and I knew this beautiful program of recovery existed and that, um, that I was going to be re-welcomed um, with love. And I think back to when I came back again, um, how beaten down I felt, how humiliated and embarrassed and, you know, you don't come back to the room a victor. And and I wanted so badly to, um, but I'm so glad that I had a place to come back to, regardless of where I was when I had left off. And um, so with that, I pass. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, Melissa C. Bella, it is your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Don't waste time. Wow, such a, an empowering sentence, special for me as a recovered person. Yes, in the beginning of my recovery, I was so excited and so thankful of my new way of life, of my new belief, that I wanted so much to change, well, in the beginning, the whole entire world. And then only my family and yes, it brings me back to be aware that I am human and I have my character defect. So first of all, I am talking to myself now and say, well, Bella, you know, stop being uh, self-centered. It's nothing to do with, with me, you know. And yes, I have to remember that we are dealing with sick people and I am a sick person too, and I have my character defect. And thank you, God, thank you, God, that today I am connected to God, to the higher power. And it's a reminder for myself that I am responsible of myself only. You know, I can listen to people and I can help people, but I am not in charge of the outcomes, you know, and... I cannot, it's not my responsibility if a person still didn't reach that, that point to be connected to God 
and to to stop with the with the food with the binging. It's nothing to do with me. They are sick and I am sick. Yes, I have my limitation. And thank you, God, that it's a light for me to be aware that don't waste time. It's nothing to do with me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Alice M., you're up. Good morning. This is Alice M., a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida, um, where it says, when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. And um, I, like other people said on the line, you know, I don't have to go out and find people like they used to um, in AA. You know, they are there. They are in the room. They are on this phone meeting. And these people hear recovery, and they want it for themselves. Um, some desperately want it. So, you know, it, our job is made easier. <laughs> I, I don't have to go out and seek people out in hospitals and cafeterias or anything. They they are there in the rooms, newcomers. Um, and when, when it says, find out all you can about him, well, this is how I do that. Um, when they call me from a vision for you to work through the doctor's opinion with them, you know, I first want to find out something about them. I don't just set up a time and say, okay, let's go, and then we just read through it with me knowing nothing about them. You know, it's helpful It's helpful to me to understand who they are, you know, where they're coming from. So I first ask them if they are willing, you know, if they want to work through the doctor's opinion with me, if they're willing to first um, do an assignment and, and call me back and read it to me. And all it is is, you know, very, something we've all probably done, simply to write a history of their disease. You know, and I have specifics I want them to include in the writing, like consequences from the disease, things like that, you know, bottoms they've had, uh, you know, ways they've start, tried to stop and stop eating and just, you know, I want to get a clear picture of who it is I'm, I'm taking through the doctor's opinion. When they read it back to me, you know, I gain information that's helpful to me in working through the doctor's op with them. You know, I can refer to their experience. Uh, while we're reading, I can help them identify in with the language in the doctor's opinion by knowing by knowing some of their history. Um, you know, and simply if they don't if they don't, you know, I say this up front. You know, it's a requirement. You know that you know to do this this assignment. It helps me. It'll help you. And if they don't want to do the writing assignment, it's fine. Then you know they they can choose someone else um, to read through the doctor's opinion with them. And I'm not being you know snide or snippy about that. It's not a personal thing. It's just this is you know. I, I like to know who it is I'm working with, um, and the same is with I'm, when I'm sponsoring. You know, I don't waste my time with someone who won't follow directions and guidelines. And uh, I've learned that because I've had sponsors that don't waste their time with me. So I'm not going to follow directions and guidelines. You know, they move on. Alice, well. I guess your time is up anyway, so we'll have we'll go to Leah M. Leah, please. Thank you very much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., recovered compulsive overeater. Um, if he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. And the big book must really mean this. First of all, um, they repeat this same similar statement in a few pages when they say, we find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. And secondly, you know, this is a book that 
its whole goal and purpose is to help other people. Um, and so if they're saying, you know what, <laughs> if someone doesn't want it, don't waste your time, um, they must mean it. And certainly, you know, just looking back at my own history um, proves this point. You know, I came into Overeaters Anonymous in a lot of pain in 1982. However, uh, even though I stuck around the rooms for five years and was a very loyal attendee, um, you know, I just wasn't ready to put down the food. Perhaps it was a little bit of, you know, not quite uh, getting the message out of the big book, but but really, I still wanted the comfort, you know. So I remember that in working with people that not everybody is ready because the truth is most of us, people like me, real compulsive overeaters, uh, will not do the things that are necessary uh, in order to recover. You know, compulsive overeaters of my type, real compulsive overeaters, against all information and against all evidence, persist in saying, but I'm not really like that. You know, therefore, I don't need to do exactly what you're doing. You know, separate from all your the binge foods or, you know, uh, you know, implement these steps, you know, because addiction is different than any other illness. Only in addiction does the sufferer, when given the opportunity to arrest his illness and to be free from the misery and the suffering, will say, you know what, I don't really want that thing. I'm not, I'm not ready. You know, we defy it and we delay it and we resist it. And, you know, this is the only disease known to man that does that. We have absolutely no no enthusiasm for recovery. I mean, what other disease is like that? You know, if a person has AIDS, they accept they have AIDS. If the person has cancer, they accept they have cancer and pursue the necessary treatments. If a person's blind and cannot see, they accept they cannot see. And that is why this book describes the disease as cunning, baffling, and powerful. It defies our understanding, and it reminds me, don't waste my time. Let them have, you know, more pain. Because if they eat like me past the point where eating no longer works, they will experience a new understanding of terror and of desperation and of guilt and of remorse and of hopelessness, and the disease will have done its job. It will beat them into a state of reasonableness, and they will want it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Leah M. Is there anyone else that would like to comment? Okay, I'm just going to take a second, well, a minute. Jan J. Renata. Oh, okay. Let's do, let's do, I hear Renata, and whom else? Jan J. Yes, all right, let's do that. Let's do Renata and Jan G. Renata, you're up. Uh, thank you, Janice, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Aid in New York. <clears throat> um, do not try to, don't waste time trying to persuade him. Um, you know, the person doesn't want to stop drinking. Um, I know for me, you know, until the food was working for me, there there was no convincing me that I had to let go of all, you know, problem food. You know, there was no way I would completely believe in that allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. Um, you know, whenever... I, I really believe that a person who only takes this step will go through the process as the, the, the big book describes it if we're really miserable enough. You know, like uh, um, 
on page 152, it says, he cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he'll know loneliness such as he'll do. He'll be at the jumping off place. He'll wish for the end. And I had to get to that place to really work this step as is my life dependent on it. Before that, every time it got hard, every time it got tough, every time, you know, there was something that I didn't want to do, I would turn to the food. Because, you know, yes, it was bad, but it was still working for me. It was still giving me that ease and comfort that it was after, you know, even if it was temporary, even if it was, you know, for a few minutes of the day, but it was still working. But it got to a point that it didn't work anymore. You know, it was just misery. Even when I was eating, I was miserable. The pain, the discomfort, everything, it didn't go away anymore. You know, and I started adding alcohol to it. Like I had to combine food and alcohol and, you know, all the behaviors. And still, it was just misery. So I had to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then I really, you know, gave myself to this program, you know, like I said, like if my life depended on it. Then I didn't kick the lifesaver away anymore. You know, I just grabbed onto it. Um, and uh, if a person's not there, I don't think, you know, like and nothing I can say to sponsee will change their mind. When things get tough, they'll go to the food if it's still working for them. They need to see their powerless for themselves. Uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Yes, and thank you, Renata. Okay, we're going to have Jan G and then Santa, if Santa's still available. Jan G, please go ahead. Hi, this is Jan G from New York. And I was faced with a very difficult situation. My uh, Someone who sat next to me at work looked like, you know, he was ready to die. He couldn't breathe. His legs were oozing. And, and I know he was not ready for the program, but I felt like he was going to die if I didn't approach him. And so, you know, I did approach him, and um, he got very, very mad at me. And I still brought him the pamphlets, and he threw them in the garbage and um, said, you know, I'm not going to do this. I don't have time to do this. And, you know, I pushed myself onto him. I said, Marty, you know, if you do not, you know, come with me to the meetings, you know, you're going to die. And he just not, he was just not ready. But I felt at the time that he was going to die if I didn't try to get him into the program. And, Actually, two months later, he did die. But it just shows you that no matter what situation, dire situation a person is in, if they're not ready, there's nothing that you can do. And this just showed me that, so I just wanted to share that. Thank you, and I'll pass. Well, thank you, Jan G. Santa, are you there? Yes, I am, Janice. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service this morning. This is Santa A. to Grateful Recover Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Um, I, I love what my fellows have been saying about that line about if the person doesn't want to stop eating, don't waste your time trying to persuade them. And for me today, when I, I first came in this program, and at least for the first year of this program, I had a hard time with that statement, and it's because my higher power really needed to renew my mind. And now I understand how important it is to have steps 11 in place before we get to step 12. 
And the step 11 process has really helped me to understand this paragraph in a way that's been profound um, in recent weeks and months here, is that um, I realized today that um, when I'm trying to persuade other people to thinking I know what's best for them and I know what their future is going to turn out to be, I'm playing God in other people's lives. And that's an insidious thing for me to even think that I know what's best for the next person and I know what their journey is supposed to be like and I know what's going to happen if they don't put the food down. Who am I to say? And so for me today, I know that it's all about humility and being humble and that it was my ego rising up in me thinking I know what's best for people and judging people. And today is that I allow my higher power to to lead and guide me and direct me to how I am to be of service to others and working with others. I mean, I, I talk to people every day in program outside of program, and there are many times where I want to say something about their food, but I'm learning how to keep my mouth shut and allow my higher power to speak through me as he see fit and allow everyone to have their own experiences. And to me, that means today, instead of saying wasting my time, I look at it as today of giving everyone the dignity of choices. My higher power has given me an opportunity to make choices. How long was he there for me and patient with me for the many years that I was in the food? And um, all the signs and um, signals and warnings that I've gotten through through the, the guides and angels that he sent my way that I didn't listen. But when the time was ready, when I was ready, then the teacher appeared. And so I do that with everyone that comes across my path today is that I allow them to evolve at the pace that is best for them and let them have their own experience, just let them fall and, and, and get up again and, and just as I had that experience. And the most important thing to me today is living in step 11 because that helps me stay rooted and grounded in how to live in step 12. And most importantly, it's giving every single person a dignity of choice, just like my higher power has given to me. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Santa. Okay, is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? Okay, I guess not. I'm just going to take a minute here. Um, of course, when you discover a prospect, that means a potential uh, other member of OA. That's what they called them in those days when the book was written as a prospect for Overeaters Anonymous. Um, you know, this is they're giving us now advice. They're giving us directions because they have experience with this. If he does not want to stop drinking, eating compulsively. Now, we went over this, stop, stop, stop. Now, what does that mean to me? And, I, and I'm not afraid anymore. I don't have the fear of telling them stopping for good. Not stopping till you lose your 100 pounds. Not stopping until the next holiday when you can give yourself um, some, some leeway to eat. You know, um, and I'm not afraid to say that because some people say, oh, I would never say that because they'd never come back again. Well, see, at this stage of my game is um, I, I want to I give the truth that I never was given the truth. I went to Weight Watchers and all those, and I really, nobody said you have to stop and keep doing this, you know. Um, you know, my mind was, okay, until I lose my weight. And that's not the truth for a true compulsive overeater. We don't, it's not like a red light, you stop. And then you start again when the light goes green. It's not like that with my disease. So I give them the truth right, you know, right off the bat. It's uh, do you have to, you know, and then, of course, we talk about, how, you know, something that I, I did. 
And um, and why do I not? Why do I say not wasting time? Well, wasting time trying. I just say trying to get them, because I am not the convincer, like has been said. And in addition, um, you know, I'm powerless. I'm powerless. Uh, nobody could give me the. Nobody could make me stop. No sponsor. No nobody. Nobody. So it uh, is a waste of time, and in, in, in a way is because um, I am, it says here, you may waste the time trying to persuade him, okay, because I'm, gonna, I'm just the messenger. I'm not going to persuade him. The food will do that. But I also may spoil the time for him or her for later. And in addition to that, I may spoil a time for somebody that really needs this. You see, if the other person, you know, shows me, well, they're not just ready yet, they still have reservations, this sort of thing, leave them alone, it's okay. I'm not God, because only God could give it to me, you know, in these steps, of course. So um, I think it's, uh, very, you know, very important. It's okay, we're going to detach from that person. Oh, I like this person, though, you know, because I know I, I did it. Gee, she's a nice person, he's a nice guy, blah. But, you know, nice doesn't come, you know, is this, I want to give the truth today. Um, I'm not here to be popular, you know. All right. Is there anybody else that would like to comment on the paragraph before? Linda R. Yeah. Okay, Linda. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, Linda, please go ahead. Good morning. Hi. Thank you so much. This is Linda R. Recovered in North Carolina and listening, just tuned in. Um, two things are coming into mind in my recovery. One is the uh, tradition, you know, that each group is autonomous. We decline outside contributions. Although, you know, this was uh, when I first read that, um, I, you know, I didn't really know how to apply it to my personal life. But in what we're he- I'm hearing today, to me, it's the same thing. It's like the separateness, detachment from the person, from the newcomer. Like I cannot... My contribution, my words of wisdom are not going to get anybody started in the program. The other thing that I'm thinking of is the only requirement is the desire to stop eating. So that person, the newcomer or the sponsee, whatever you want to call them, unless they have the desire, just like I wake up every morning, I have that desire to connect with a higher power, to do my regimen, to do my disciplines in the program. So... Like, to me, it's the separateness. It's really like working the program. And the other thing, three things came into my mind as you were sharing. You know, a long time ago in the program, there's this little pamphlet. It's called Acceptance. And I used to read it. It's like this little blue pamphlet. And they talk about, you know, in the desert, the whirling dervishes. And the statement that I'm thinking of right now, which is appropriate for the reading, is let them whirl. For me, in my program, the only time I ever, ever, you know, got this program, thank God, thank you, dear God, is I had a world for a while. I had to go out there. I had to really be in the defects. So for me, with the newcomer and sponsorship, I cannot make somebody do this program unless they are willing and they want it. And then once they are, I can share my experience, strength, and hope. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Well, thank you very much. Okay, we have a a, a time for just another one. Amy E. Yes. Okay, Amy E., please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, televisionaries. Amy E., recovering in northwestern Ohio. This um, 
I get concerned when I think that, and I've had this attitude in Overeaters Anonymous when I hear people slipping and sliding, like, well, they must not want it bad enough. And I hear sports announcers talking about that too, right, during a game. Who wants the win enough? I think I think everybody wants to stop compulsively overeating. But the but the uh as the reading points out, the difference is do you want to do the work? Because what we're offering is a program of recovery. Ostensibly what we're doing when we're talking with the newcomer is not just saying, um, are you miserable enough to come to OA? We're outlining for them, laying at their feet, the kit of simple spiritual tools that we've used, which means service to others, cleaning up the wreckage of our past, admitting to ourselves, to God and another human being, and recognizing the hopelessness of our condition. And sometimes the biggest service that we can do is to really emphasize to them, I think if I'm holding it accurately, pages 63, 64, 65 in the big book, where it talks about selfishness and self-centeredness, that is the root of our problems, and that a life run on self-will is doomed to failure, and really pounding that message home. And then the person can decide whether they want to pick up the kit of simple spiritual tools and to go forward with the work, the step four, the step five, the eight and nine amends. Um, so uh, this is something that I really am uh, thinking about, and how do I work step three, step three with my prospects, and really helping them to see the hopelessness of their condition. And then they can make a decision, and hopefully God will decide, will prompt them to admit their powerlessness and accept the work that goes with being a recovered member of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you. And thank you for your share. Yes, um, uh, I just want to mention, you know, from my own experience, some people are really not compulsive overeaters when they come in. They're just, you know, just a regular, <laughs> they want to diet. And, you know, so you're going to be able, you know, with experience, you're going to be able to tell the difference. Um, and, you know, you can refer them to, you know, pages like, you know, 30 and 38. You know, you can t- talk about Jim's story, moderate eaters, or, you know, occasional eaters are the real compulsive overeater in the book, big book on page 44. So, I mean, you know, that's how we can tell also. Well, I thank everybody for allowing me to share, and uh, we're going to um, we're going to stop now. And I would like to thank everyone who shared, and everyone that wanted to share. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Okay, Rebecca F., would you kindly please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you 
and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.